this week on The Bioneers. Archetypes, I think, gives a source of strength, a certain kind of an ancestry and presence that's very, very important. Sri Swamini Svatma Vidyananda is joined by Louisa Tish and Jean Shinoda Bolan this week for Archetypes in Every Woman on The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. As human beings, our brains are hardwired for story and metaphor. Worldwide, across all cultures, humanity shares commonly held stories, myths, and symbols. These archetypal stories guide our lives in profound and largely unconscious ways. What are the archetypal stories of our time? How might they be changing? Today, the archetypal story of women and the feminine is experiencing both a renaissance and a transformation. And when stories change, the world changes. In the next half hour, we explore the resurgence of the archetypal feminine and its relationship to nature through a multicultural lens with author and Jungian therapist Jean Shinoda Bolin, Louisa Tisch, author and priestess in the Ifa Orisha tradition, and Sri Swamini Svatma Vidyananda, teacher of Hindu Vedanta philosophy. This is Archetypes in Every Woman, Renaissance of the Feminine. My name is Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. An archetype is best comparable with a god. The earliest archetypal perspective was the primordial experience of the great gods and goddesses of ancient mythic imagination, such as Venus and Mars. The Greek philosopher Plato conceived of archetypes as ideas or forms that are timeless universals, that are the wellspring of all stories, myths, and symbols, both in the human psyche and in the cosmos itself. The iconic 20th century psychologist Carl Jung defined archetypes as the fundamental governing principles of human psyche held universally in the collective unconscious. One thing is absolutely essential to the idea of archetypes, their potent grip on our consciousness. Jean Shinoda Bolin, M.D., is a psychiatrist, internationally known Jungian analyst and activist. She's the author of many groundbreaking books, including the classic Goddesses in Every Woman. She spoke at a Bioneers conference. I was raised in a Jungian culture where the psychology of the feminine was told through the story of Psyche. And if you remember Psyche, she was, uh, every time she had a new challenge, she wanted to give up. It was more than she could do. And so from her first reaction to finding that she was abandoned by her lover was to throw herself in the river, and the river threw her back on the shore. (laughs) And after that, she had four tasks to complete. And every time she had a new task, she had a feeling it was more than she could do. And yet something in her came up, and a symbol came up that helped her, and she got that task done. And as I was raised in the Jungian world, (laughs) with that as the psychology of the feminine, it just was not me. The whole business of when you have a challenge, you don't go to medical school and and sort of give up every time you come into a new challenge. And the the truth of it is that most of the women I knew 
were more in my, my own mode, that they were interested in new things. They, they took on challenges. They didn't collapse when things just got really hard. A dissatisfied Jean Shinoda Bolin decided to hunt for another myth, a different archetype that spoke to a more empowered woman. She found it in Greek mythology, Artemis, goddess of the moon and the hunt, the mother bear who stands up for something vulnerable and valued. Artemis was the daughter of Zeus, the father of gods and men, ruler of Mount Olympus. In her mythology, Artemis at three was asked by her father Zeus, what would you like? I'll give you anything you want. And she knew exactly what she wanted, which is very Artemis at an early age, a mind of her own. So she wanted bow and arrows, which is like having the ability of agency, the ability to aim for what you want. So she wanted hunting dogs. She wanted, and this is the archetype of the sister, she wanted to have nymphs. To uh, nymphs were the female divinity spirits, so the mountains, the, the meadows, the forest, etc. And she wanted nymph companions, and she wanted to choose them herself. The Artemis archetype takes the path less traveled. She likes to explore, to discover new things for herself. It's the little girl who very early said, It's not fair when. Uh, she was passed over for a boy to do something because there's an innate equality in, in the little girl who's an Artemis. And I bet you recognize yourself in that and that you either do fine by yourself or you are partnered with an equal. That that's pretty much um, no patriarchal father's daughter, whatever you say, daddy, kind of energy in an Artemis. Jean Shinoda Bolin explores the Artemis archetype in her book, Artemis, the Indomitable Spirit in Every Woman. Through Artemis, she also uncovered an underlying story of patriarchy that has profoundly colored Western culture and the lives of women for generations. It's embodied in the father, Zeus. After I read Evangeline's wonderful book called In the Body of the World, and she addressed the culture of patriarchy as rape culture. I rethought how I was describing Zeus as chief philanderer, which he was, but almost all of the stories we have of him is that he seduced or raped the women who became mothers of the second generation of Olympians. So this culture that we are living in has as its major mythology, the Greek mythology of patriarchy, which can be considered a rape culture. Given the power of stories, myths, and archetypes to shape culture, women scholars say that who interprets the myth can be as important as the story itself, from typecasting to archetype casting. I was told that there was this goddess. Her name was Dakshagani, Sati, Gauri. She has many names. And uh, she was the daughter of a king who interestingly, only wanted to have daughters. Sri Swamini Svatma Vidyananda is an Indian spiritual teacher who is reclaiming and reinterpreting her culture's traditional Hindu myths. She teaches Vedanta Hindu philosophy and Sanskrit. All young girls in India grow up hearing the legend of Sati, a central story of India. As the story goes, Sati's father, the king, wanted to have only daughters, he had over 300. 
Sati was the youngest and the king's favorite. He's this big, huge, powerful king, very rich. And what does Sati do? She falls in love with Lord Shiva, who is, you know, he just is, uh, he doesn't have a job. (laughs) (laughs) Unemployed and unemployable also. And uh, doesn't have degrees. And is, uh, you know, smeared with ashes, wears a tiger skin, roams around in the funeral ground. (laughs) And she marries him. He doesn't like it one bit, even though she's the favorite daughter. Then, Part two of this story is that she marries him all right. And then part two, act two, we have the king having a huge feast, a fire ritual. Everybody is invited, all his 300 plus daughters and their husbands and everybody. The invitation does not go to guess who? Sati and Shiva. Because they are the poor relatives. I mean, who wants them, you know? Because who wants badly dressed people to come to this big, wonderful feast? And Sati waits for the invitation. She learns from all the sisters and the uncles and the aunts that, you know, all this is happening. But no invitation comes, no SMS, no email, (laughs) no nothing. And then, you know, and the husband says, don't go. We don't go to places we are not invited. She says, no, no, my father and mother must be busy. How could they forget me? I'm going to go. And she goes. And she goes, and nobody even is there to receive her at the door. Everybody's getting very wonderful seating. You know, she's put somewhere in the corner near the restroom. And then, you know, (laughs) nobody is there to ask about her. Nobody is there to do anything. And then not only that, the father gets up on the podium and denies knowing her and her husband and says horrible things about her. And then she realizes what a terrible thing she has done. She has, um, this is how the story was told to me, disobeyed her husband and gone against his will. And so what she does out of this anger and grief that comes is she falls into the fire of the fire ritual and immolates herself. Uh. Yes, Sati. A very gory story. And uh, then what happens is that Shiva, who is in meditation, intuitively understands because of the love for her and goes there in a rage, rescues whatever her remains from the fire and does this mad dance of grief where all her body parts fall on various places in India. These are what are called Shakti Pithas, where each place becomes a sacred site of worship. And uh, therefore, we should worship this goddess. When Sri Swamini Svatma Vidyananda heard this legend as an eight-year-old girl, she refused to worship this goddess. Then, later, she looked deeper into the tradition of this and other classic Indian myths. She found some of the myths were literally man-made. Now she wasn't so surprised the stories often demeaned the feminine and the roles of women. Instead of getting framed, why not reframe with a woman's viewpoint? And so when I understood this, you know, the myth is actually a very powerful myth, and it reaffirms everything about her as defiance. So first act of defiance is, you know, refusing to obey her father about marriage, 
Second act of defiance, refusing to listen to her husband. Third act of defiance, falling into the sacred fire because the sacred fire was desecrated by the presence of anything that doesn't belong there, certainly not a human body, because everything that is put in a yajna, a sacred fire, is already thought out and offered. So actually, it's, her whole life is a series of defiances. From this feminine perspective, the archetype of Sati shows a model of self-determination and girl power. Sri Swamini Svatma Vidyananda points out that in her Vedanta tradition, there's not just one single god who created the universe, who is usually a he, God the Father, in many traditions. In fact, the universe is a co-creation of both masculine and feminine elements. And we see this in this whole story very beautifully played out. In the tradition, we say that this whole creation has come about with the dance of presence and power. The presence is, has to include our presence, one's presence, because there is only one presence. And the presence is embodied as Shiva, and then Shakti or Sati is that power which creates. That's why she is, you know, disembodied as an entity, as an individual, and she populates the whole creation. She has, in other words, become the creation without really losing anything, because really, as a goddess, she's infinite, limitless. You know, we have to reclaim this myth, the sacredness of all things. Like, everything is sacred because the presence of the goddess is there. The presence of the divine feminine is in everything that we touch, in everything that touches us. When we return, Author Louisa Tiche offers a provocative creation story from the African Orisha tradition, plus more from Jean Shinoda Bolan and Sri Swamini Svatma Vidyananda. This is Archetypes in Every Woman, Renaissance of the Feminine. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. To hear more from Sri Swamini Svatma Vidyananda or to explore all available Bioneers radio shows and video programming, please visit Bioneers.org. And our thanks for the generous support from listeners like you. Across the world, cultures and civilizations have creation stories. These cosmologies are the container that tells us who we are and show our place in the natural and cosmic order. One such creation story is about the African goddess Oshun, the goddess of love, who embodies the power of the feminine. For Louisa Tish, the story of Oshun told her it was natural to be powerful. She was a daughter of the goddess. Tish is an initiated elder and chieftain in the Ifa Orisha tradition of the West African diaspora. She's an artist, activist, performer, teacher, and spiritual counselor. Her books include Jambalaya, the Natural Woman's Book of Personal Charms and Practical Rituals. Louisa Tish. 
The goddess Oshun, the one that I worship, there's a very, very famous story, Oshe Otura. They say in the beginning of the time, you know, the great one who is the all that is sent all these Orishas down to earth, and most of them were male with the exception of Oshun. And they got down here and they started pulling the world together, but they were talking down to Oshun and saying, that cute little woman. Y'all know that <laughs> Venus is always degraded, right? Mm -hmm. The erotic goddess is always degraded. And so they were acting, Mars and Saturn and all the rest of them were acting like they didn't need her. And they, the way it goes, they say she went and sat on the moon and powdered her face and waited for <laughs> reality to dawn on them that everything <laughs> fell apart. Now, Oshun is the fresh water on the earth. What happens if all the fresh water leaves the earth? Not a damn thing. Nothing grows. Nothing can happen, right? So in that story, they're trying to do all kinds of things. Everything fails. They go back up to the, quote, most high God and says, what's up? You sent us down here to fail. The most high says, where's Oshun? <laughs> and they say, uh, uh, you want things to succeed, go get Oshun, right? Oshun comes, the most high says, y'all have to apologize to her. And uh, she says, well, <sighs> Don't let it happen again, okay? <laughs> don't let it happen again, and uh, I don't know if I want to be bothered with y'all. Now, this is what's interesting. She had been sitting on the moon all by herself, and somehow she's pregnant. <laughs> Check that out. Somehow she's pregnant, and she gives birth to a little boy who's going to be her messenger boy from now on. You can't do nothing without clearing things with her little boy who's the messenger. Can't nobody talk to none of the deities. Nothing can be done on Earth. Now, that story is like 10,000 years old, right? Do you know that all over the African diaspora in the last 20 years, people have been taking baths in the river, coming out of various rivers in possession, screaming that Oshun has said, if the ways of women are not elevated, she will leave us again. Mm. Everything that belongs to Oshun will dry up and the earth will die. We see drought, we see water pollution, we see the desecration of the bees, we see the loss of fruit. We, I mean, everything that she has jurisdiction over has been negatively affected. And believe me, all over the African diaspora right now, as we sit here, there are millions of priests in my tradition who are begging her in song and dance, Mama, please don't leave us, okay? The power of archetypal stories is so strong that it can change people's story and the world. For instance, what happens when young people are exposed to this different kind of archetypal story? In my book, Jambalaya, I offer explanations and descriptions of the Orishas as archetypes. And I can tell you that in 1980, I had a lot of success with so-called troubled junior high school students. I described to them the characteristics and behaviors of different Orishas and had them to identify with those particular characters and talk about how they see those stories manifesting in their own lives 
and it was revolutionary for them. So that I had one young man to come to me and say, you know, uh, Mama Tish, my mother's a Yemaya type, and my daddy's an Ogun, and when he tried to beat her up, I stepped in and said, I'm a Shango, and you can't beat my mama. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You know, I mean, there is a way. There is a way to have them understand that this is a real power. This is not just a psychological construct. This is a real power that really lives in you and has lived forever. Ifa Orisha Chieftain Louisa Tish. Again, Sri Swamini Svatma Vidyananda. The archetypes are very important. There are so many, and we have to start reclaiming them for ourselves, rereading them, deconstructing them, thinking about what is it that we want, because these myths are not just belonging to Africa or India or Greece. I think they are the cultural legacy, the artifacts that we have of humankind. And they don't belong to men or women. We can decode it to suit our needs. And connecting with these archetypes, I think, gives a source of strength, a certain kind of an ancestry that is important, and a certain kind of a presence and being that's very, very important. Jean Shinoda Bolin. Now what's moving in at the UN with the He for She movement in Geneva for the White Ribbon movement, the language of this conference that talks about women and the men who love them, we are moving into a place where we're talking about women who I think have a spiritual archetype together and men who also do. So all of it is defining a different group. It's more than a tribe. Hopefully it's more than a tribe. Hopefully it is a shifting generation that is happening right now and we're in a transition to where the value of the feminine, the value of women, and men who value the feminine in themselves and value women come together in order to save everything of value. When I look in the mirror, I see a beautiful woman my thick lips, coffee-colored skin, salt-and-pepper hair reflects back to me a heritage of power and a life well-lived. My brown eyes look deep into the mirror and see more than a reflection of myself. I see my ancient African mothers, my Native American grandmother, my Asian sisters, and my Latin cousins, and my European friends. I see a long line of women standing behind me, reflecting the past that I've inherited. They move backwards in time until they become sheer femaleness, that primal energy that is present in all things, in animals, in plants, in the earth herself. When I look into the mirror, I see myself as a cell in the body of the goddess. I am proud to be a woman, and especially proud 
to be my own woman. This reflection of the goddess allows me to stand tall in the face of danger, to work steadily toward my goals, and to support love and surrender to spirit. Because of knowledge of the goddess working in and through me, I can withstand the vicissitudes of fate. When I look in the mirror, I see thousands of beautiful women. Archetypal Transformers, Louisa Tish, Jean Shinoda Bolan, and Sri Swamini Svatma Vidyananda. Invoking women and the men who love the feminine, coming together to save everything of value. Archetypes in Every Woman, Renaissance of the Feminine. You can hear another story from Sri Swamini Svatma Vidyananda or explore more Bioneers radio shows and video programming online at Bioneers.org. For information on attending the National Bioneers Conference and Bioneers events in your area, please visit Bioneers.org or call 1-877-BIONEER. The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Ausubel. Written by Kenny Ausubel. Senior producer, Neil Harvey. Managing producer, Stephanie Welch. Station relations, Anna Iglesias. Our theme music is taken from the album Journey Between by Baca Beyond and used by permission of Hannibal Records, a Ryko Disc label. Additional music was made available by Sounds True at SoundsTrue.com. For more music information, please visit Bioneers.org. The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature radio series are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the Bioneers in inspiring a shift to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. This is program number 0515. This program was made possible in part by Organic Valley's pasture-raised organic dairy products, bringing the good from our family farmers to your table at organicvalley.coop. Mary's Gone Crackers, inspired by a conscious approach to eating organic, gluten-free, and non-GMO products since 2004 at marysgonecrackers.com. Funding also provided by a grant from the Park Foundation, dedicated to heightening public awareness of critical issues, and by the generous support of listeners like you.